The Singing Podcast is glad to announce our nomination for Outstanding Media and Arts and Culture for the Pride of Africa Asia Awards. Special thanks goes to our listeners who made this possible. Therefore, we humbly ask you, the listeners and everyone to vote for us through appreciateafrica.com slash awards. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Singing Podcast. Today, we're having an amazing episode as we're going to talk about the beautiful nation of Zimbabwe that celebrated 43 years of independence this week. Um, we found it wise to talk about this nation that has contributed so much to the African continent and beyond. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm joined by two gentlemen, all the way from Zimbabwe. They'll introduce themselves so that we have a meaningful conversation about the country. I suggest that uh, the gentlemen that are with me on this show introduce themselves. I'll start with the ghost and then continue okay thank you so much um my name is tendai kaponda and uh, i'm from zimbabwe uh in a small town located uh, in the northeastern region to towards the mozambican border uh, called mutoko and i'm and i'm quite happy to to be part of this program with my colleague who's with us today i won't introduce him i'll just let him introduce himself like i did okay uh can you introduce yourself uh thank you uh for having me uh to your program my name is the previous mativenga uh i was born and bred in zimbabwe in the midlands uh province um currently i'm a student at central china normal university studying towards my phd in international okay nice to have you gentlemen um so the first question I'll ask is, um, what makes you a proud Zimbabwean? I'll start with previous. Okay, uh, thank you. Uh, personally, I have this uh, feeling of deep affection, loyalty, and attachment to my beloved Zimbabwe because of a wide range of reasons. But for this podcast, let me limit myself to just a few. Firstly, I... I'm proud to be a Zimbabwean because of its rich cultural heritage. I take pride in Zimbabwe uh, because of a rich and diverse cultural heritage with a long history of traditional music, dance, art, and storytelling. Uh, It might be interesting for you to know that, um, and the listeners to know that Zimbabwe traditional music uh, is very important to Zimbabweans because it uh, played an important role during the liberation struggle through mobilizing and motivating the masses to join the liberation struggle, where the songs were composed, performed, and sung in local languages using simple, catchy tunes that could be easily remembered and sung by large groups of conveying messages of unity, resistance against colonialism, hope, and a great sense of solidarity among the native. Then coming back to my main point on cultural heritage, the Zimbabwe cultural traditions are founded in Ubuntu, which means uh, being human. I'm talking about that inner being which differentiates us from animals, which makes us popular for our own hospitality and a strong sense of community. Secondly, I'm proud to be a Zimbabwean because of its natural beauty. You know, Zimbabwe is endowed with natural wonders. We have majestic mountains, such as the Inyangani Mountains. We have vast savanna and world-renowned wildlife reserves, such as the Wange National Park, Gunare National Park, and other uh, game reserves across the country. We also have uh, the Mosua uh, Falls, which is popularly known as the Victoria Falls, which is one of the seven wonders of the world. Not to talk much about um, the Great Zimbabwe, which is one of the most uh, traditional sites that are found in Africa. I'll talk more about it uh, as our discussion goes on. Then the one other thing that makes uh, me proud of being a Zimbabwean is our resilience and strength as a people. You know, Zimbabwe have endured many challenges throughout the 90 years of colonization by the British. Uh, That is from 1890 to 1980. 
which was marked with apartheid, forced labor, theft of their land. Also, uh, the Zimbabwean people also suffered defeat, which was humiliating in the first Ichimurenga between 1896 and 1897. But what makes me proud to be part of that history is that they rose up in arms again in the second liberation struggle from 1966 and it defeated the colonial regime in 1979 and gained its independence, territorial integrity and sovereignty on April 1980. That's why, that is the reason why we were celebrating um, our 43rd anniversary of independence last week on the 18th. I'm proud to inform you that uh, Zimbabwe has further moved ahead to attaining economic independence by redressing the land keep imbalance by embarking on a fast track land reform program at the dawn of the new uh, uh, millennium. However, Zimbabwe also suffered economic instability around 2005-2008 and also natural disasters. We talk of droughts and the cyclones. But despite these challenges, Zimbabweans have shown a remarkable resilience and strength and have continued to work hard to build a better future for their families. This makes me proud to be part of the Zimbabwean family. Lastly, for this question, let me say I am proud to be a Zimbabwean because of the education and innovation. You know, Zimbabweans are known for their work at creativity and innovation. Many Zimbabweans have excelled in the fields such as education, science, technology, the arts, and they've made important contributions uh, to their communities and the world at large. This pride, this love, this deep connection with my motherland, my beloved Zimbabwe is my source of inspiration and motivation that it drives me to work hard and strive for a better future, firstly for my country, secondly for my family, and lastly for my family, and lastly for myself. Hey, thank you so much. Thank you so much for that. those amazing words. Uh, Ghost, what makes you a proud Zimbabwean? Okay, thank you so much. Well, the first thing that makes me be proud to be identified as Zimbabwean is Zimbabwe is my home. That's the first thing. That's my identity. That's what defines me. Whatever I do is associated by the name Zimbabwe. And as what my colleague earlier said, I think he articulated quite a lot of um, things that are mainly universal in terms of universality in Zimbabwe. Like when we talk of the spirit of Ubuntu, the oneness, like we have a popular saying which says Ubuntu, Ubuntu Wabantu, right? A person is a person for the for the people, right? Whatever you do at whatever point is going to impact another person, which in fact means like everything you do, you do it for the people, right? So like um, I can give an example, like if a tourist and you come to Zimbabwe, you don't need GPS, man. You don't need GPS, just ask. Zimbabwe is actually associated by the by the word friendly, okay? Friendly, that's, that's, that word is, is synonymous with Zimbabwe because of that spirit of Ubuntu. And we look at the cultural heritage of Zimbabwe in as much as we, we enjoyed the, we enjoyed the um, uh, uh, colonialism for quite a long time, almost like uh, over, six, uh, over, over 70 years of colonialism. You know, we never forgot where we came from. Our history is something that identifies us. History is so important in Zimbabwe to such an extent that, you know, it's something that identifies you and almost everything that you do is partly, um, is partly identified with the history because that is, is what defines us. It was identifies us as Zimbabweans. And, you know, we have like what my colleague was saying a lot of tourist uh, attractions, you know, 
like the Musia Twinya, the Victoria Falls. And you know, when you look when you look at the environment of Zimbabwe, like the weather and the likes, you know, being a sub Saharan nation and being landlocked with majestic rivers and majestic uh, mountains, you know, Zimbabwe has got one of the world's favorable temperatures, you know. It's never too cold, it's never too hot, it's always awesome, right? And it's one of the things why agriculture in Zimbabwe is so successful because the environment there is conducive for everything when it comes to agriculture. And agriculture is the backbone of the Zimbabwean economy, is the backbone of our existence. Like when I refer to existence in, in this case, like as an identity as a Zimbabwean is because most of our subsistence, okay, subsistence is mainly based on subsistence agriculture, right? Farming for, for our consumption and having access, the access that we, we, we forward to the national to the to to the national silos, which is the grain marketing board, right? So, being identified as Zimbabwean is one of the one of the best things that actually I appreciate because of of all the immaculate places that are there, the authentic cultural people in in Zimbabwe. We talk of the enthusiastic, um, you know, the enthusiastic professionals and the quality of education that is there. We are talking of a country almost 97% of the people are literate. They can read and write, right? You know, you go deep down where you think like in one of the places where I think this is the remotest place that I can go and you expect to see someone or umagogo like an old lady walking and you expect to you expect her not to be able to read, you expect her not to be able to write, but you'll be surprised that that person that you are referring to as old and lives in a remote place is able to read and is able to write. So it's something that I really appreciate what our forefathers and what our leadership has done to make us proudly Zimbabwean. So I'm happy to, to say that I'm proudly Zimbabwean. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Um, my next question would be... Um... What has been Zimbabwe's role or importance or significance to Southern Africa and Africa as a whole? Where we can say, we give credit to Zimbabwe for having done this, or Zimbabwe did this. I'll start with God. Okay. Um, first and foremost, uh, as we, you know, like Zimbabwe is, is one of the African countries that is purely nationalistic. We go back to our leaders like uh, starting from our current president, our vice president, the late uh, Comrade Robert Gabriel Mugabe, you know, those are one of the, they are one of the iconic people who have fought for the independence of, of Africa, you know, not the independence of Zimbabwe alone, like when we got independence in, in, in 1980, but they've contributed to the independence of Africa, not political alone, but we talk of economic independence, you know, not being dependent to to the West or or any other countries uh, apart from but to to be one of the one one of the important countries in Africa. Like for example, we can say like um, being part of the uh, a member state, the founding is like Zimbabwe is one of the founder members of the of the Sadak region, the the, the Sadak block, right? Um, and which was um, and uh, what, uh, which was formed in 1918 Lusaka. Uh, you know the importance of of our role is, you know, the location of Zimbabwe. If you look at the location of Zimbabwe being at the epicenter of the Sadak region, right? It, it has, uh, its implication is whatever we do is going to affect any other countries that are surrounding the Southern African bloc, which, which automatically puts us in a place of leadership, like you know, uh, not leadership of taking rule of the other countries, but leadership as in, 
role model you know so everything that we have done like you know um being uh issue of of land you know the land um the the land issue that uh, that zimbabwe has been doing since the the mid 90s right where we are saying we have been distributing proportionally distributing land that was improportionate in terms of land tenureship right we have a few many we had a few minority people who owned vast pieces of land and that act on itself has gone to show other countries that there is need to have a balance when it comes to land ownership land tenureship which is basically the power so if us as africans had no control over our land yet we purport that we are independent right it would not take us far and with that role of being of spearheading the land reform programs all across africa has helped the whole of africa in terms of in terms of um, political and economic control over of our countries basically that's what i can say for now. okay uh previous your take on that uh okay uh thank you uh, uh to ghosty for such a, a wonderful insight into the role that zimbabwe has played in um southern africa and africa is uh, let me uh ask to say that uh, this uh, zimbabwe played a very very strategic and crucial role in southern africa uh both historically and in contemporary time firstly in the early colonial struggle in southern africa zimbabwe has played a large role in supporting the liberation movements in uh in, in southern we can take for example uh, uh mozambique uh, also south africa the uncontroversies uh, where mozambique we are looking at renamo uh, there and also in angola so after gaining its independence in 1980 it was zimbabwe was seen as a major victory for broader struggle for african independence and self-determination why do i say so because remember in 1965 november the then prime minister of southern rhodesia ian smith declared uh, the unilateral declaration of independence which means zimbabwe or southern rhodesia was no longer a colony of uh, uh of britain it was now an independent but under the minority rule so uh it was it was going to delay the independence of zimbabwe i mean the transition from the minority rule to the majority rule so when the the, the, the zimbabwe nationalist movements decided to go into the bushes from 1996 i mean 1966 to 1979 and won back zimbabwe to zimbabwe it became very strategic to southern africa for they knew the states in southern africa they knew that was uh, i mean that independence was really coming to the states that were uh left uh dependent for example, South Africa and Namibia. South Africa was under the apartheid rule, and um, and Namibia also. So, independence of Zimbabwe was very strategic in that it was now seen for that the apartheid regimes can be defeated, even if they play any tricks of trying to sugarcoat the independence, like uh, what Smith has done with the likes of Abel Muzorewa for making uh, a coalition with Zimbabwe to look as with the UNC to look as if Zimbabwe was independent when it was not. Then going to further to after independence, as I have alluded to earlier on, Zimbabwe has set an example in Southern Africa of what it means to be independent. Independent independence does not mean uh, political independence only. It also means 
uh, it also means um, economic independence. The citizens must have improved access to means of production. Looking at Zimbabwe, it is an agrarian-based economy, which means agriculture is kind of a backbone of the economy. But how then do people say they are independent when they have no access to land for which our forefathers fought for? That is why you have seen Zimbabwe in the late 1990s and early 2000 embarking on the first land reform program to ensure that people have access to their land. And this improved uh, uh, people's access to the means of production. So they set an example of what true independence is. It is not for some other such countries. Uh, I'm happy that uh, South Africa is now talking about land, uh, uh, of, uh, about land distribution. It's an issue of concern because they are learning from the neighbor in Zimbabwe on how true independence is. Then uh, I also want to allude to the fact that uh, Zimbabwe played an important role uh, in promoting human rights and democracy in Africa. The country has a strong tradition of activism and civil society and has played a key role in promoting human rights and democracy in the region. And Zimbabwe has also been at the forefront uh, on the efforts to address issues such as gender equality, HIV AIDS, and environmental. Uh, uh, on gender equality, we can we, 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 we can recall that Zimbabwe has ratified the CEDAW, uh, the Convention of Elimination, all forms uh, of um, discrimination against women. That is a, a clear sign that Zimbabwe is moving uh, in the right direction towards gender equality, which is very important in any regional grouping or in any uh, continent. The other thing is that uh, Zimbabwe has been at the forefront in promoting pan-Africanism. It is uh, it, Zimbabwe has been a strong advocate for pan-Africanism, which is the idea of African unity and solidarity. You know, Africa has been regarded as a backward continent and the uh, solutions for Africa were being discussed somewhere and um, somewhere outside Africa. But now, with this Pan-Africanism that Zimbabwe has played a crucial role, uh, Africa has now realized that uh, it needs to emancipate itself from neocolonialism and do its own things as Africa with its own African orientation, united as, an, as a continent and advocate for African interests on the global stage. That is why you have, um, your experience uh, tells you that uh, uh, the former late president of Zimbabwe, uh, uh, Robert Mugabe, was always on the forefront advocating for permanent membership of, a, of an African state in the United Nations Security Council. These are some of the things that have been pushed by Zimbabwe on a global uh, stage. And also uh, on the cultural importance side, Zimbabwe is a rich cultural heritage with a diverse and vibrant art scene. The Zimbabwe music, the dance, the arts have gained a worldwide recognition and have helped to promote positive image of Zimbabwe and African culture as a whole. We can look at the music of our icons like the late uh, Oliver Mutukudzi, the late uh, uh, Mbuya Stella Chiweshe, and also the music of the um, veteran Thomas Mafumo, the music that appealed to the African people that they needed to stand up against any forms of colonialism, any forms of discrimination, any forms of racial discrimination against Africans. It has gained a, a, a lot of traction in the Southern Africa and Africa at large 
that people are beginning to uh, recognize the importance of being Africa and African for Africa. The, so overall, uh, Zimbabwe's importance and role in Southern Africa and Africa uh, have been significant, reflecting the country's history, uh, looking also at the country's culture, and looking also at the country's strategic location. Uh, Zimbabwe has also played a leading role in the struggle for African independence and self-determination. And this one is not an overnight event and uh, we cannot say it has ended. This one is a continuous process. We are continually in a struggle for African independence, for complete independence, for Africa uh, self-determination or, or that ability for Africa to deal with the problems uh, on the African way with the African ideology. Okay, um, during this podcast, a lot has been said about uh, Zimbabwean history. Uh, for someone who may not know Zimbabwean history, how would you describe it? Let's say from the era of Great Zimbabwe, Monomotapa Empire, um, the Ngoni period, um, to the colonial days, to liberation days of Robert Mugabe, Joshua Nkomo, to present. How do you give a brief overlook of Zimbabwean history? Um, Ghost, you answer this question. Okay, uh, th uh, thank you very much. Um, we are saying like um, we we can date back to like approximately two thousand years ago. You know, uh, we we are saying like um. Zimbabwe was vastly populated by the by the Sun people, right? The the Bantu, uh, in, uh, we the Sun people, and later on where we see the Bantu now, uh, the the Bantu people arriving in the region, you know, and and we see a series like a series of of trading empires emerging during that uh, period. We are talking of uh, kingdoms like Mapungubwe and the kingdom of zimbabwe which you know which you know as the, the great zimbabwe right um and then we uh, we are saying this uh we uh, in this time in, in this timeline as i said that um uh, it was the rise of trading empires we see the the um, the kingdom of zimbabwe uh, under like a monumtapa the monumtapa empire we're seeing they were engaged in quite a lot of trades, you know, moving um, be, uh, moving uh, up to the to the Indian Ocean to trade, like with gold, getting things like ceramics, spices, etc., uh, uh, etc. Et and then we see, like uh, as I said, like uh, the Mutapa Kingdom is around like 1450 to 1760, and um, before the um, the white settlement we had what we call the Roshi Empire, which was uh, with, uh, in the period of around um, 1684 to around 1834. Uh, that period, uh, prior to the to the white set uh, to, to the white settlers that arrived in in the empire uh, in the in the late 1880s, where we see the the Rad Concession being signed. And the British South African Company taking over the one which was under um, uh, Rhodes, Sisu John Rhodes, and this rule was between 1890 to 1923. And uh, you know that's where we see like we have um, in that timeline we have the the Matebele War from around like 1893 to 1894. Uh, that's after the um, after after they were tricked. By by the British by the British South African uh, Company through the right concession where they gave land after being tricked, you know, and um, and then we see um, even the second Matebele war um, Matebele as we said like Zimbabwe has got like two re um, two regions like we've got the region which is mainly which has quite um, a number of of the Shona people and then the Matebele land which is a vast number of Ma of the Ndebele people. Um, we see like um, the, uh, the, the, in that period we talk, we see the start of the, of, uh, of, of discontent amongst the, 
the natives, the, the natives, right? Um, like in 1985, we're saying that's when the, the British South African can, um, company adopted the name Rhodesia, right? Which came from the from the from their leader was Sisu John Rhodes. So Rhodesia, as in Rhodes and Shia, which was part of the, uh, it was the it was for the territory of the Zambezia, right? Which was in honor of Sisu John Rhodes. Then uh, uh, at around uh, three years later, we see uh, what we call Southern Rhodesia, um, which became the official uh, the official name of the region south of the Zambezi. Like we say, we've got the Zambezi River, we, uh, we, we, which at the end builds up to the Victoria Falls, right? So the southern part of the Zambezi River was then named Southern Rhodesia. And this Southern Rhodesia is now what we call Zimbabwe, as from 1980, when the country was officially declared independent from the Smith regime. So one would ask, like, why? So if there is Southern Rhodesia, then where is Northern Rhodesia? And Generally, what was the Rhodesian Empire? When you talk of the Rhodesian Empire, we are talking of, of it was inclusive of Zimbabwe and and Zambia, right? And then, so in this part, we are saying the Northern Rhodesia, Northern Rhodesia is what we now call Zambia. So, and um, in in the in the course of uh, of this, we we see the Shona waging an unsuccessful war, which was called Chimurenga. So Chimurenga, which is more of like a liberation, uh, a liberation war, that's the Chimurenga, uh, uh, which was against the British South African Company being led by Sue John Rhodes. That was in 1896 and 1897. And uh, after this failed, that's when we see the Ndebele and the Shona groups, right? Both the Ndebele and the Shona became subjects of the of Rhodes administration, the Rhodesian administration, right? Uh, that eventually led to, to, to Zimbabwe being a, a, a European colony, a new colony for the British. So as we progress, we see that in 1899, there was a formal constitution which was draft for, 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 for Southern Rhodesia. And, um, and, and, most of the administrative framework, uh, framework of, of Southern Rhodesia were mainly assumed by the British South African Company. Okay. And um, in 1923, we see the Southern Rhodesia becomes a self-governing British colony. It was no longer like a colony which was being governed directly from, from Britain, but it became a self-governing called British. It was still British colony in in 1923 and as days go by we see uh we we see the um, the white minority rule which was led by by ian douglas smith the now late ian douglas smith who unilaterally declared independence of rhodesia from britain in 1965. so we are saying in the in the in the course of colonial zimbabwe's colonialism we start like with Zimbabwe um, having a settler government and then later on being declared as the official colony of Britain, right? And then the few British elites that were now identifying themselves as Rhodesians, right? Which means like as residents of Rhodesia, declaring themselves independent from the British government or the British or the royal family per se, right? In 1965, thereby we see um, uh, we, we 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 now see a a new independent government, but it's not the native people; they're still settlers. However, having declared their independence, we see London uh, remaining in control of all external affairs, right? Uh, of all the the the, the foreign affairs, um, not domestic but external affairs, and. And all legislation was, however, subject for approval by the United Kingdom government, by the UK government and the Queen herself. And um, during, uh, uh, during this period, we see, we, we, we see the, um, the, native, the natives, the Zimbabweans, the real Zimbabweans, the, the owners of the land, now fighting um, against this, um, the, the Smith regime. 
So like we see, uh, we, we call it, uh, it was the rise of African nationalism. Okay, the rise of, uh, the rise of African nationalism in, in Zimbabwe. And with this rise of nationalism, we see the, the, the black majority or the African majority engaging into a liberation war with the, with the Smith regime. And we talk of like, um, we, we, we had uh, two fighting France, right? The Zapu, which was predominantly from Matebeleland and was led by, by the late Joshua Mkawu Kokanyo Ngolongomo and Zanu, and Zanu, which was predominantly the northern part of, uh, um, under the northern part of Zimbabwe and was led by the late Comrade Robert Gabriel Mugabe. And these two uh, liberation war, um, uh, military groups had assistance from, from the governments of Zambia and Mozambique. And we see, uh, though the Smith Declaration was not um, recognized by the United, by the United Kingdom, um, they, however, got some assistance to fight against the, the rise in descent of African nationalism within Zimbabwe. And, uh, and uh, this led, like my colleague Ella said, like in, in the 1970s, where I was talking of um, uh, people like um, Zorewa, where it was portrayed as if Zimbabwe was independent, but it was not independent. It was just a facelift just to to try and divert the attention. Then we see 1979 where, where both parties, the, the African national, uh, nationalists and the, um, the Republic of Rhodesia agreeing to, to a ceasefire uh, through the Lancaster House Conference and, pre and, and later on leading uh, to the official independence of Zimbabwe on the, in the on the 18th of April 1980. After the independence, we see the government setting itself again in, in the capital city of Harare, which became the, 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 the where the government sits till, uh, till today. So basically, this is what I can say, like I can, a, a brief timeline of, of what Zimbabwe was from, from the from the pre-colonial era of the Mapungubwe reign, the Monomtapa Empire, the Roji Empire, the Umtwakazi, the Butua Kingdom, the, the Mapungubwe Kingdom up until Zimbabwe was colonized and, and the way the, 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 the process in which Zimbabwe, Zimbabweans uh, fought to, to gain independence from the Smith regime in uh, in 1980 when it was granted full independence. So basically that's what I can say for now. Thank you so much. Okay, um, my next question will go to previous. Uh, Zimbabwe has many challenges, just like many African countries have. Um, it has been in the news probably for most of the time, economic, political and all that. Um, so how would you say in your own way would be how Zimbabwe can navigate these challenges and help address them for a better future for everyone in Zimbabwe. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much. Firstly, I want to say uh, the problem with the, our beloved Zimbabwe is that uh, it is a nation who is, uh, who is still yet to, to win uh, the war that it started even during the Second Liberation Struggle. So firstly, I want you to understand that uh, there are some local challenges that Zimbabwe is facing from internally, from inside Zimbabwe. And there are also some externally induced challenges that are meant to uh, cripple uh, the economy of Zimbabwe so that uh, they can be, uh, I mean, some hidden agendas, uh, so to say, made. Let me ask to say that Zimbabwe has suffered significant economic challenges in recent years, uh, including high inflation, currency instability, 
and shortage of foreign currency. And these challenges that I've mentioned have led to high levels of poverty, high levels of unemployment and uh, insect, uh, food insecurity. We cannot, uh, on the last point of food security, we cannot uh, rule out uh, natural disasters, climate change, and all those things. But let me say, the main uh, the main uh, thing that I think need to be addressed at the moment is the lifting of the unilateral sanctions that have been imposed on Zimbabwe by the United States since 2003. Uh, several uh, arguments have been made that uh, uh, these sanctions, they are smart, uh, they are targeted and they are on certain individuals. They don't affect uh, the general populace of Zimbabwe. But I want to say that uh, after the 20 years of these sanctions, we have not seen any results uh, or positive results coming uh, that we can say uh, America has achieved uh, after imposing sanctions to Zimbabwe. But in my opinion, I think they've worsened the situation in Zimbabwe. One, the sanctions have led to huge investor fly. This has been as a result of a soiled image of Zimbabwe to becoming a high-risk destination for investment. You know, it is very difficult to invest in a country where a negative publicity by the so-called powerful states have been made against such a small country like Zimbabwe. Businesses, some businesses have closed the door in Zimbabwe at the instruction of their mother countries that they are supposed to leave Zimbabwe. They are supposed uh, not to continue dealing with Zimbabwe because of the systems that were put in place by the United States. We know that the office uh, for uh, foreign assets, FOCAC, of uh, OFAC uh, of the United States, Office of Foreign Asset Control, and how it influences uh, the SWIFT system, the SWIFT payment system, how it influences uh, the, 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 the transactions that have to do with the, 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 the United States dollar. So these sanctions have made it difficult for business persons who wants to do business with Zimbabwe to transact using the, the US dollar. At the end of the day, it made Zimbabwe to be isolated. For all information, Zimbabwe has finished, has completed its payments to the IMF since 19... 1998, if I'm not mistaken, I'm not sure about the correct year, but I'm sure that uh, Zimbabwe finished uh, payments to all its debt to the IMF around 1998. But up to today, 25 years later, Zimbabwe has not been able to access any lines of credit from the IMF because of... So what I think is... The first step towards solving the, 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 the challenges Zimbabwe is facing is the lifting of the unilateral sanctions by the United States, which has made it difficult for Zimbabwe to freely do business with those that want to uh, uh, do business with. Zimbabwe. Then the other thing is uh, uh, the other challenge that Zimbabwe is facing is uh, image uh, cleansing. As I've alluded to earlier on, that uh, the Zimbabwe name has already been negatified by uh, the West after it uh, embarked on the on the on the uh, land reform program. As Tendai was saying, um, as Tendai was explaining about Zimbabwe independence, uh, 1980. I want uh, our listeners to know that um, at the Lancaster House um, conference, one of the 
tick issues that almost led to the collapse of the Lancaster House uh, uh, dialogue was the land issue. And um, the Western powers, including Britain and the United States, during the Lancaster, uh, the, 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 the Lancaster conference, they committed themselves into raising funds to assist in the reallocation of land. Appropriation of land was supposed to be funded by the United States, Britain, and other Western powers that had agreed uh, to raise funds for that program. Only after 10 years, that is uh, from 1980 to 1990. But unfortunately, things didn't go um, the way uh, the government of Zimbabwe uh, had uh, seen them during the the, the, ninth, the early years of independence. And in 1998, after Clay Short wrote a letter to the Minister of um, uh, the Minister of Lands uh, of Zimbabwe in 1998, that uh, 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 Britain is the government of the current uh, government of Britain uh, that was during Tony Blair's time, that it was not responsible for any compensation of any land in Zimbabwe because one, they were not the ones in government. And Claire Short boastly uh, said that she was, uh, she, her origins was from uh, uh, I, uh, Northern Ireland. And uh, she, 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 she explained that Northern Ireland was also colonized. So they cannot uh, be committed to paying uh, for land compensation in Zimbabwe, when in fact their country, uh, they are part of the the, the, the UK government, they are they were uh, colonized before. So the issue of land remained sticky during the liberation struggle, after independence, during the 1990s, and Zimbabwe had to settle it during the. Uh, early uh, 2000, and that is when the United States and other European countries, uh, the European Union included, imposed sanctions on Zimbabwe. So, listeners, it is important to know that uh, this, some of these challenges Zimbabwe are facing, that Zimbabwe is facing, they center on the external forces. These external forces, if they can just not interfere in the issues, the internal issues of Zimbabwe, I think Zimbabwe can never uh, can solve some of its problems. And if Zimbabwe can be independently allowed to trade freely across the world without any restrictions, I think some of these problems as Zimbabwe can solve on its own. Let move. Let me move on uh, to the to the health uh, sector. Zimbabwe faces a range of health challenges, including high rates of HIV, malaria, and recently uh, we have this challenge of COVID nineteen and other infectious diseases. Um, but uh, I'm happy to uh, say that um, uh, the government of Zimbabwe is also uh, trying to increase investment in the healthcare infrastructure and also increase access to the healthcare services. And they are also promoting uh, public health campaigns that raise awareness about the risk of these um, uh, um, infectious disease. Then the other challenge that uh, Zimbabwe is also facing uh, is uh, uh, environmental related challenge. These include uh, those uh, challenges that emanate from climate change. For example, droughts. Zimbabwe suffered recently, suffered a drought in 2002. Uh, also, Around 2005, there was also a drought uh, which have affected the food uh, security of the country. 
and also Zimbabwe suffered uh, some national, uh, natural disasters like the uh, cyclone Idai, which affected most parts of the eastern side of Zimbabwe and Moza uh, outside Zimbabwe, it affected Mozambique. These are some of the environmental challenges that Zimbabwe are facing. And to solve this challenge, this kind of challenges, uh, there's the dire need for Zimbabwe to promote uh, sustainable uh, land use practices and also invest in renew renewable energy uh, to control um, uh, environmental challenges such as deforestation, uh, soil erosion, and ultimately uh, climate change. On the social front, Zimbabwe uh, recently uh, started facing a challenge including um, rampant drug abuse. There are also uh, uh, cases of reported uh, gender-based violence, violence against girls and women. Zimbabwe is also experiencing poverty. Also to address these kind of problems, I think uh, there's need for concerted effort uh, from the Zimbabwe government, from the private sector to promote social programs that address the needs of marginalized communities, promote gender equality and empower women and girls. Addressing the challenges uh, faced by Zimbabwe will require a concerted effort from all members of the society, including the government, the civil society, and the private sector. By working together to promote economic growth, good governance, fight corruption, public health, environmental conservation, social injustices, Zimbabwe can build a brighter and more prosperous future for all. What is needed is commitment, commitment of time, commitment of resources, commitment of uh, uh, in funding projects and programs that are supposed to be aimed at areas where these problems are emanating from will go a long way in responding to this problem. I, I thank you. Okay, thank you, previous, for that. Um, the next question I'll ask you to ghost. Uh, over the years, the Zimbabwe sporting entertainment industry has kind of exploded. Sporting-wise, your cricket nation, your cricket, your rugby, your football team has been at also at AFCON. Um, Entertainment-wise, we have the late Oliver Mutuzi. Uh, now we have St. Flo even coming here in Wuhan. Um, what would be your take on the Zimbabwe sporting and, and entertainment industry? Uh, thank you so much. Um, you know, like um, Zimbabweans, uh, when it comes to, to sport, um, it's one, as you said, like it's part of, of culture, you know, where we meet, we socialize as Zimbabweans and as people. Um, when it comes to sport, uh, Zimbabwe is a long tradition and has produced many world-recognized sport names and personalities. The likes of um, the magnificent um, Peter Ndlovu, who was the first uh, African to play in the English Premier League, right? He was Zimbabwean. He is Zimbabwean, in fact, right? And, and Zimbabwe is very popular in most sports like uh, rugby, especially cricket and tennis. Like uh, uh, tennis, we used to have like this, um, the brothers, the black brothers, um, who used to play like, uh, who, who took part in the Davis Cup and the Wimbledon. We have, um, of these, um, cricket has been one of, uh, has been the best, uh, in terms of representing the country and not forgetting swimming with the likes of uh, Kesti Coventry, who is at the, uh, currently the, the Minister of, of Sport and Culture. So you see, like, when you say, like, 
you're, we someone was part of the 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 sporting fraternity taking part in representing country is also the one who's now responsible for for the sport and culture in the country which is one of the 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 wisest ideas the government can do so um in in terms of cricket like the country um managed to achieve its test uh status like if you know cricket we talk of we we, we have all dis we've got tests right and in 1992 zimbabwe when it acquired its its test status and further its international status um the success in the international fraternity uh was in the early 2000s with the likes of Andy Flower, Tatenda Taibu, Henry Olonga and and late of late we have the mighty Raza who managed to win a lot of awards in 2022 player of the match of the of the month uh for ICC like three times in a row or two times I'm not quite sure but and we have football we haven't been that very much successful with football but however in the domestic scene football has remained one of the unifying factors in in Zimbabwe we have we also have uh, things like golf we used to have like um if you talk uh, of, of uh, the history of golf in Zimbabwe we have the the likes of Nick Price Brendan De Jong Mark Manalti and Tony Johnston those are one of them the 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 they are one of the recognized golf players that came from from Zimbabwe you know and uh like like i said uh tennis we had when black byron black kara black you know uh a trio family trio which took part in the wimbledon davis cup and also olympic games then when we look at um when we look at um other aspects like music um like my colleague mr matvenga said like music has been one of the unifying factors in zimbabwe and it has a major role in in both the domestic and the international fraternity we talk of um the likes of oliver mtukudzi we talk of um the late mbuya stella chweshe the uh, we 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 talk of thomas mapfumo you know and and so forth so music in zimbabwe other than being a, a unifying factor as well it's it's also we, we we can say it's also one of the places where when being when being performed a lot of people other than sport they go and socialize and we have got traditional instruments like the mbira and apparently like the mbira has become like an instrument that is actually being played across the world very simple instrument but with with so with the sound that is so articulate and and satisfying we've got the ngoma drums we've got the hosho you know and when it comes to genres the genres with like we 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 still have like, we we have like uh, afro jazz we have got afro beats we've got sungura we've got our own zim dance so we've got the traditional dances uh, tra- traditional rhythms like like imbube which was created um by zimbabweans during the the colonial era right and it usually consisted of male singers and it was in a cappella and we have what like jit which was mainly a bit uh, in the in the urban in, in the in the urban setup uh, back then and we've got um, and one of the international acclaimed singers of of this jit uh, jit music we had um, a group called the boot boys we had um, the four brothers right and like i said we've got zimbabwean jazz or afro jazz with chimurenga music the one that was mainly sung by tom thomas mapfumo the late oliver mtukudze and the late mbuya stella chweshe which we, we uh, which had an impact in the in the liberation of zimbabwe 
We also have some artists also performing like foreign beats like rumba, right? Uh, uh, which is we, which is we which originated like down from like the DRC Democratic Republic of Congo back then it was known as Zaire, and the, um, we have gospel and house music, Amapian, which we all know like originated like in in South Africa. So. Um, in terms of in terms of sport and music, Zimbabwe has has been in is has been and is still in the international in the international um, spotlight. And and lately, like the, I think the past two weeks, we've got quite a number of Zimbabwean artists, uh, including Holiton, um, Baba Harare, and so forth, that were performing in the UK. Uh, they had shows in the UK. We've got the likes of Alec Machesu, who usually, like, on a yearly basis, conducts tours across, um, like, Europe, Australia. And we have one, um, and we have people like um, Winky D, he's a Zimbabwean dancehall artist, and he has won uh, a lot of uh, dancehall um, awards in Africa. And he's, uh, we can talk of, um, like, um, like uh, recently, there are some awards that Winkidi um, managed to get, and we have um, other people that I cannot mention that have managed to win some international awards. And in the acting fraternity, um, like uh, in the film industry, we've got the likes of uh, Dana Gurira, you know who was also part of the, like, I think uh, a lot of people, they know, they know um, The Walking Dead, Wakanda, she has been part of that, you know. So we are, as Zimbabweans, we are, we, we are happy to say that in terms of art, culture, and sport, we are in the international spotlight, though we have impediments from from various external factors that were explained by, 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 by my colleague, but we still have an impact in both music, in both sport, etc., etc. Okay. Uh, my final question to both of you would be: um, What message would you give to the youth in Zimbabwe, and uh, what, in your view, would be the future for Zimbabwe? I'll start with previous and then go. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, uh, but uh, maybe I just wanted to say one thing from the uh, uh, previous question. Just uh, give me some 20 seconds, maybe. Okay. I, I wanted to share with you my experience when I was in India 2017. As we were uh, moving around, um, touring the, the city of Hyderabad, in the Telangana, uh, Telangana province of India or Telangana state. You know, when I met the locals, they would ask me where I come from. Then when I say to them, I come from Zimbabwe, you know, some of them would just shout, it's strict, and you know what? I didn't know much about cricket, but I began to like, uh, to, 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 to like cricket from that time. I introspected and looked at myself that I'm a Zimbabwean. I'm here in India where people are talking much about the players from my... Uh, the message to the Zimbabwe youth and the future. Uh, well, the message that I can I can the youth in Zimbabwe is in as much as things might be hard for them at the moment, that does not mean that they have to find solace or to seek solace in drugs, in alcohol abuse, in crime. That's not a way forward. The best way forward is to work together as youth, help our government in resuscitating the economy, be entrepreneurial, you know. With a lot of youth like talk of about unemployment, unemployment, talking about them being employed by someone else or the government should offer jobs, you know. We are, you know, with the current global trends where we've got a lot of free resources online, you can learn coding online for free. 
you can do marketing jobs online for free right you learn a lot of things online and you can do you can engage in a free, in freelance jobs you know there are quite a lot of freelance jobs online and we cannot always rely we do not need to rely much on the government but let's be entrepreneur as youth start something that's how empires are built you know you know um let's look at china how china grew we talk of tvs uh tvs right and, uh, after the 1980s right the economy was bolstered by entrepreneurship you know the total village enterprises that we call the tves we are saying at local level individuals they become entrepreneur and it 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 rises up in chain that's why we say like china is the biggest is the largest factory in the world because they started entrepreneurialism they started to practice entrepreneurialism at a young age right so for us as zimbabwean youth let's be entrepreneur and this can usually benefit the the country of zimbabwe if we become self-reliant and start our own initiatives rather than rely from foreign aid and rather than rely on crime which is detrimental to the growth of the nation detrimental to the growth of of the economy detrimental to the lives of the people so i say no to drugs no to violence no to alcohol abuse and aluta continue with entrepreneurial uh, entrepreneurialism aluta continue in supporting the government aluta continue in building the nation thank you so much thank you so much mr ghost uh I think Mr. Previous has left. Um, thank you so much uh, for taking part in this podcast about Zimbabwe. It has been highly insightful. And we look forward, personally, I look forward to coming to Zimbabwe and uh, meeting you people there. Thank you so much. And God. one more th- uh, thing before we go, Mr. Speaker. Uh, we say come to Zimbabwe and enjoy Zimbabwean hospitality. That's when you you actually appreciate how peaceful Zimbabwe is and how beautiful Zimbabwe is and how awesome Zimbabweans are. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Mr. Costa. <laughs>